Hello, I'm Sean. I'm an academic. And I'm Drew, a theatre director and choreographer. We know it sounds like the beginning of a bad joke. An academic and a choreographer walk into a bar. Yes, sounds like the beginning of the worst joke ever. But our unlikely friendship was born from a shared passion. We believe that theatre is the art of collaboration. And that can be hard with many confusing titles and departments. Yes, we have to not only understand what people do, but why they do it. And that's why we made the theatre blueprint. Each episode, I speak to a leading artist in their field. And shed light on the inner working of their department. There's so much to find out, so let's roll up our sleeves, put on our safety goggles, and start digging. You're really committed to this building metaphor, aren't you? Yes. Yes, I am. Let's get on with the show. As the old saying goes, you can't do comedy in the dark. I'm hoping our next interview can shine some light on the incredibly talented technicians and designers that spend their careers in the dark with the sole purpose of creating magic with light. I'm excited to learn about how this craft can be used to edit, focus, and draw us along the visual adventure of the story in front of us. It's where science and art collide. I'm really excited to be talking to light and designer Jessica. Welcome to the Theatre Blueprint podcast, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you for that great introduction, too. That was brilliant. <laughs> um, so perhaps you could start off by introducing yourself and telling us what your job is and perhaps you could tell us a little bit about how your job fits within the landscape of theatre making. Great so my name is Jessica Hongheng Young and I'm a lighting designer predominantly in theatre but also kind of um, do a bit of art installations, kind of festivals, immersive stuff so kind of a bit of everything. My main job I would say is to help to drive the narrative and to do that through light and through atmosphere in a really collaborative way with all the other creative departments working together to really focus on the narrative and what it is that we want to pull out of it, how we want the audience to feel in a certain moment, what we want them to see, what we want them to not see and how you can create that by using different light sources, different types of fixtures, different colours that you can get. Also, whether, you know, there's something that's a, a tungsten light, which is like a um, like a filament or LED light, uh, which is colour changing. So there's lots of different tools, I'd say, in our, in our tool bag that we can use in order to help tell that story on stage. I think the people that come into uh, watching a show might be able to look at a, a piece of theatre and say, oh, OK, I understand what light and design is when it comes to I can see that light source and I can see that it's throwing light onto that person. But of course, the reality is it's a lot more complicated than that, isn't it? What are the kind of stages you have to go through as a designer that, that takes you from your initial idea to that opening night where everyone's coming, sitting down with their, with their drinks and, and watching what's been inside your imagination? So when I get contacted, I always usually ask for a script or some sort of kind of description of what the piece is and, and like read through it and get to really know the piece and see if, if that's something that I can bring something to which is really important because I think if I feel like I can't as a lighting designer bring something new like bring something refreshing to that or bring something that it needs then it, I feel like I'm not the right person to do that so that's that's kind of my first instinct is to to read something and to also not feel the pressure of being like I have to imagine it all in my head so I usually go through something and go okay what you know if I have any thoughts or feelings or like it reminds me of this movie or this YouTube clip that I saw with this photograph then I'll jot it down but I also don't put pressure on myself to feel like I have to be creative straight away you have to get to know a piece you have to feel it you have to yeah I get I guess find the fire and the passion of what is driving you 
you to want to help to tell this story on stage and then the next thing with them be you know meeting the director and having a chat with them or choreographer and so you know you'd have a chat all together and you'd you'd kind of see if you also get on and you gel and you have the you know what's both of your kind of creative instincts maybe what you both felt about the script because it's really important that whoever you're working with to help kind of create this that you're you know you're doing it as a team as a collaboration everyone's on the same page and everyone has kind of the same creative endpoint otherwise you'll get something that could look very muddled on stage it could feel like a jigsaw puzzle with missing pieces and you want to you want to make it all complete basically for the audience so from there you know if you do get on and and you do want to work together then it then the next thing is yeah meeting the rest of the team so like the set set and costume designer the sound designer composer movement director um and you yeah start having creative conversations together it start kind of it's really fun at the beginning because you can chuck all of your ideas on a page not worry about the budget (laughs) just go right what's the dream what is it that we want to achieve what's everyone's mad ideas and yeah, and kind of go from there and just have creative chats and keep on going. And then the set, does, set, does, set and costume designer will go off and, you know, create, create a set kind of from all of that information. And then throughout that process of getting to what we call um, the white card or final model box, which is where the set designer will then present uh, with the director because um, they've been in conversations a lot about what the space is and how they formed it all together. And then during that conversation, then also creating it, then sometimes I'll jump in and go, oh, it would be really great if we could incorporate a light within the set that could be hidden somehow, because then that will really help on this part of the story. So there's, so kind of throughout it, it's, it's like communication is a really key thing and openness uh, to everyone's opinions and kind of creative process. And then, yeah, and then from the final model box, you kind of then start to um, go, into rehearsals in the rehearsal room and I I personally for my process I like to be in the room as much as I can and I know that other people have kind of their different ways of approaching it but I really love to be in the room at the start of it when they usually do like table work or you know they get into the nitty-gritty of it all because for me it's like I also need to understand the development of that story even in a read-through on the first day there's usually a read-through of the script and it's really fascinating because, you know, the actors are coming in, they'll do their thing. And then you sit there and you go, oh, my God, I did not hear that when I first read that. <laughs> and then you're like, this is why they do that. <laughs> um, so it's brilliant. But it's really fascinating because then from there you're like, oh, wow, like there's so much that I'm hearing within this text. There's so much that I'm seeing within the movement, um, within the expressions that are starting to, like, make more sense to why, you know, this character has a certain um has a certain quality to them what their drive is throughout the show and so from that taking that then I don't know you kind of then start to um you start to create this world in your head and you start to I anyways always do like a Pinterest board and do like mood boards and take images or like video clips and go okay and then also if anyone else has any imagery or video stuff that they also want to chuck in and I'm like yes please give me as much as possible um so that we can have this you know huge pile of detailed study of the piece from there I actually then have to go from being really creative to to then transform that into a technical translation and by that I mean like imagining in my head like for example the sunlight coming in stage right beaming in it's like how do I create that sunlight on stage right well I'm going to need like this certain fixture lighting fixture this quality of light and then a lighting gel to put in front of it because I want to change the color of the light 
or do I want to make that a color change in LED light or so then I start to try and translate that into a technical term and then from there there's a whole amazing lighting team also who is like the head of lighting that you know or the production electrician um who basically and the programmer and like obviously all the staff who kind of get in and get it all rigged up and the riggers and everyone um so they're really brilliant because they help me to also translate that technically into what we'd call a rig plan um which is where all of the lights on paper will go in within a space so you'll get a ground plan of like a theater and then which we call a technical drawing and then I add on um fixtures to where I want them to be within that space and then production electrician or head of lighting or deputy will then translate that and see what's possible they'll do all of the technical stuff like cable runs if we have enough fixtures or if we need to hire stuff in if we need to buy stuff so they also help massively with that whole side of things which is really great because it means that I can be more focused creatively on creating the design with the rest of the team um, rather than completely chasing all of the technical stuff and then from there then we start to go into the get in which is when all the lights get put in all the set gets put in all the speakers um, and the whole theatre kind of um, becomes this whole new world, which is really brilliant. From there, you go into tech, where we're putting all the pieces together with all the performers on stage. And it's really fun, but also high, highly stressful sometimes <laughs> because you can get into the space. And also before that, I do a focus. So my focus call, which is where I focus all of the lights to all the positions I need them to be in, which is when the set's all fully up. And that's always a terrifying moment for me. That's like the, the worst day out of all the days. That the first day of tech because because they're the days where you go if what you've imagined in your head will work because sometimes you imagine stuff because there's only yeah you can only really imagine it because there's there's like 3d visualization software but with theater because it's like so subtle with what you need it doesn't quite get the right intensity the right texture so then you get into a space and you discover new things about it that you just never imagined in your head. So then you kind of have to firefight them on the spot and go, right, OK, actually, I'm not going to focus this light over here because there's this set piece, which actually is more beautiful if I light it from, you know, from the floor upwards. You have to be really flexible with what you've created on your rig plan and go, OK, I'm happy to just throw that out the window and kind of start to manipulate the space a bit more to what this space needs. And also the blocking might change. So yeah, so you generally just being flexible within the space um, and you find that within tech. And the first few hours of tech are also terrifying and daunting because that's when everyone everyone's in the space. And then you go, okay, this is what I've been talking about for the last like two months. <laughs> this is what I meant by this. I hope this is also what you thought I meant by this. <laughs> so it's all, yeah, it's, it's all a lot of fun. Um, it's all a lot of fun, but also terrifying. And then you get into the preview stage where you have an audience in, in the evenings and then you have a note session the next day where you get to edit all of your stuff. And then like, you know, that's also previews is where you experiment with ideas. So I always say like, if, if there's an idea that I have, but you know, someone, you know, the team was kind of like, oh, I don't know, I don't really get that. Then I'm always like, let's do it for one preview, let's do it this way. And then for another preview, let's change it and see how we feel. Um, Cause it, it should be flexible and it should be something where you play. You should always feel like you can play within that space of time, even though it's highly pressurized. <laughs> and sometimes you don't always have a lot of time, but yeah. And then you get to press night, which is, which is finishing night for us but not for obviously the performers. 
and the rest of the team. I have to say, hearing you talk about tech, I mean, literally, I just start sweating thinking about it. I mean, what I think for a lot of other people in the in the arts that are maybe in the more kind of performance side of things, you know, we go into this sort of like little cocoon where everything's kind of this very small, private, safe environment and it's very intimate. And, you know, your time, you know, as a lighting designer, you're kind of like, your very first thing you ever do is so public, you know? And I think that that just makes me sweat. Could you explain a little bit about like what the programmer does and what that and how that's different to what your job is in terms of how that person kind of inputs the information? Because they have like a big like computer desk. It looks really, really daunting yet impressive. Oh my God, yeah, it's so daunting. I find it scary every time I see it. So yeah, it's a lighting desk, which is essentially like, if you think of it as like the brain of all the lights. So it controls all of the lights and all of um, the information that goes to it and all of the data. So my pro- so a programmer who will work with me um, will essentially, I always call them like a translator. So they translate my gobbledygook into the lighting desk it's like proper information like syntax for the desk to understand and then spits that out to the lights and then from there you record what we call cues which is like storing information in these different kind of chunks that you then give to like deputy stage manager who then calls the show and says you know q1 so that will have your first state where you know that information is recorded in q1 q2 you know, your second state. So a programmer is so crucial. The way that they interpret what you say into the desk is so incredible. Is They have literally learned a whole new language. And also I'm terrible for going like, I need an effect to be like boom, 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 <laughs> and do like loads of sound effects. And so many programmers just understand what you mean by that, which is so brilliant and so clever. Yeah, they can make or break a show like very easily and, and, and a tech, for example. And it's so brilliant when you work with a programmer that you also really gel with and you really get on with because then you have that shorthand that you develop together and you understand how each other works and you have that trust because there are some things, for example, you know, I could ask for a really complicated effect that takes a long time to program. And, you know, the programmer will understand that, you know, a tech is a really short amount of time sometimes, or there's a lot of time pressure or so they'll go, look, you know, I'll I'll put this in my notebook as a note that I'll work on this later so that we can move on within the piece. So there's that trust of like, OK, great, I will do that later. Just, you know, let's move on. So there's a really good relationship that you have to have with your programmer. And they're, yeah, they're incredible. Programmers are very rare to also find. I remember, um, you know, when whenever I'm in tech and of course as, as a director or as a choreographer you're you feel responsible for like making sure that you get to the end of the show by the time tech's finished so you kind of feel like you're this person that's like making sure everyone keeps going forward and 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 hearing you now talk about the process with with your programmer it makes so much sense to me because often there'll be a moment in tech where you know the lighting designer will say to me this will happen Drew but uh, we're going to move on now, you know, because they know that I'm like tapping on the microphone wanting like, why aren't we moving? Why aren't we moving? So it's interesting how much your job as well. It's not just kind of so, so you have an artistic vision, you have a team of people that are um, helping support that vision for you. But also because you are essentially the lead creative voice in your department, you're still having to balance and negotiate that collaborative 
um, relationship with the other heads of their department. You know, I, I, I've been there where, you know, a costume designer is nagging the lighting designer in tech because they've, you know, the lighting designers put all red light on red costumes. And, you know, it's all that kind of, you know, chaos that it's so many different things that, that, that come into that process. Yeah, I find that really interesting, actually, because when I, when I first got into lighting design, very naively, I was just like, I'm just going to do lighting design. That's all I'm going to do. That's all my job. And then the more I've come into it, I've been like, oh, my God, <laughs> how much responsibility you have to have and you have to take on and the amount of people that you need to talk to um, and constantly be communicating with. Because, for example, like in a tech, I'll be making sure that as well as like talking to my programmer about these are the lights that I need on, this is the queue number we're going to do on, this is the time that we want to do it in. I also then have to then communicate to the DSM, the deputy stage manager, and go, um, can I have a queue at exactly this point within the book? And that's queue number X, Y, Z. But then also I tend to also talk to the sound department because the lighting and the sound um, desks can talk to each other and so sound can trigger a lighting cue so that they go together in time so sometimes then I'll go oh hey to the sound design or composer like I'm doing something here which is my cue number x you know four or whatever like do you want to put that with a cue like you know if you wanted to do something or they might ask me so there's a con within tech it's like you're designing but you're also constantly communicating with so many different people so that's why it's it can take it can take quite a while sometimes when you go yeah I'm done doing my cue and it's like oh no but then five other people need to do that thing yeah of course because I guess that you know like you said when it comes to the opening night obviously your your job is essentially completed but of course your work is is performed is is expressed um, every night following on from that. So, you know, it sounds to me like in terms of if we were to build a comparison here, it's almost like through, you know, as a, a lighting designer is almost like the composer and the programmer is the person that's writing down the sheet music. And then the deputy stage manager is almost like the conductor in terms of that you are, you have a creative vision you have a, a light-based melody in your in your head that then gets translated through the programming desk into a piece of visual music on stage that has to be in time with everything else and then on a night-by-night -night basis so the book you mentioned earlier um that's a kind of um a, a, like it's a script and uh, and um, sometimes a score isn't it that basically the deputy stage manager will be making sure that all your cues are falling in time with the music so actually it's kind of like you have to make sure that so many people understand your work and uh, in order for it to be able to be consistent in what can sometimes be a pretty inconsistent art form. Exactly, that's exactly it. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's interesting because I always love like talking about because you don't realise actually like kind of all of the different layers that you, you kind of, end, your job kind of entails. So it's really fascinating to actually kind of like unpick it all and go, Oh, well, yeah, because there's a real knock on effect to anything that you do in the tech, like, which is why I always say it's a really collaborative process, because as soon as you do one thing, actually, that could affect like 10 other departments, five other departments or, you know, whatever it is. So you have to. Yeah. So it's also taken consideration for like other people. 
I think um, I mean tech is without doubt my my favorite part of the process. It's there that you realize whether you have a team or not, you know, and basically like has all, is all the kind of energy and the ideas and the bonding like has it paid off? Because guess what, we've got three days and we've got to open a show. Like it's and it's it's so thrilling and it feels like one of those old kind of MGM musicals as you're racing towards opening night. So I, I totally love that. I'm sure there's a fair few people that might be listening to this and, and going, oh, I had no idea that lighting designers had that much creative input or like. Like, you know, I got to work with all these different technical departments. Um, could you share with us a little bit about how you found yourself in the position you are? Yeah, so I started at basically at a, a secondary school. I did GCSE drama because I thought I could pass it very easily. I just didn't excel at any academic subjects. So I was like, oh, well, then I'll just do creative subjects and surely they'll be really easy to pass. Um, but it turned out that they they expect the main thing that they went to at GCSE drama was acting. And I was like, I was so terrified. I was really shy. Couldn't remember my lines. Got terrible short term memory, which is not useful. There was actually a technician in the drama department who had like such a basic setup, but Peter Jackson, and he introduced me into lighting and sound. And I completely don't get sound, still don't get sound. Um, But lighting was really fun. I found it really fun. And he was the one who was like, well, you you can do this instead of actually doing acting as your GCSE. Um, Yeah kind of course so I was like oh cool well I don't seem to be very good at anything else and this means that I don't have to be on stage get stage fright and like have people stare at me I really hate that so I was like okay let's like be be backstage and he basically was amazing because there was no one else who was technical on that GC- on, on doing that course also he kind of I kind of had him teach me everything and it was like a one-on-one training um for year 10 and year 11 which is brilliant and then I wanted to pick it also for sixth form for my A-levels so I was really lucky enough to kind of because I'd never ever had any experience growing up in theatre like I never my parents never brought me to the theatre I didn't, didn't know anything about it so this was just kind of like just because I wasn't very good at any other subjects that I fell into doing it and then I did it at, um I did it there and then my parents were very adamant that I got a degree and I was a bit like, oh, God, I don't, I don't really know uh, what to do as a degree. And then Pete said to me, um, oh, you can um, you can basically go and do this at drama school, which is still getting a degree. So I applied for lots of places that I could do on um UCAS that's what it's called and I actually did want to apply for Guildhall but the application form was really long so I couldn't be bothered (laughs) it's like such a teenage view of things but I was like it's fine because like UCAS basically just like does it all for you and then when they were like when (laughs) Guildhall was like or like Lambda and Raja and all of that were like you have to do an application form that's separate to that because you can't and I was like oh I can't be bothered it's just like well I want to get it done Then I got accepted to Bruford um, and then I just really loved it because I remember my first day when I got interviewed, I was waiting to be interviewed and um, I was sitting in the canteen and this this guy just came up to me and was like, hey, how's it going? You look like you're here for an interview. And I said, yeah, I'm really nervous. So what are you doing? I said, lighting design. He went, I'm on, I'm on the lighting design course in first year. And then he got all of his other mates up. He went, hey, everyone. And he got everyone else <laughs> from the lighting de- design course. And they were all so lovely and just really friendly. And they were like, oh, no, you'll be amazing. Like, and so supportive. And I was like, that is so sweet that you guys all just came over and chatted. And I was like, that's a really great vibe. 
so then like yeah I did my three years there and really enjoyed the fact that like it felt like a community as a drama school but then I actually left and um got a job in retail and worked um yeah worked in retail for quite a few years because I was like I don't really know what I'm doing with my life I don't know if light and design is really what I want to do I feel like I haven't lived um so I just like got a part-time yeah well no got a part-time job and then made it full-time and then saved up money for for like a year and then went traveling for like three three and a half months um and just like had the best time um and then came back and was like I really missed doing lighting design got back into it well got a part-time job at chocolate shop and then um finally got my first freelance gig on that first freelance gig though the director basically after notes on preview one it, this was like so terrifying he went through all the de- other departments and then came to me and said suggest so let's 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 have a chat outside and basically took me outside to go everything you've done is wrong it doesn't work you've completely misread you know what the whole thing is and like basically it was just like what you've done is completely wrong and you need to fix it and I was as my first freelance proper freelance job that was terrifying um to hear that because then I was like maybe I'm not meant to be a lighting designer maybe this isn't for me and this is really hard to to try and get a light design job anyways because I was doing like some crewing stuff here and there but I was never really like I was never very good at Korean stuff and I wasn't very, I'm quite slow at doing all the practical stuff. <laughs> um, so I was just a bit like, oh yeah. Um, so it just, it really took me a lot and it took a lot of time to be able to get a, finally someone to be like, because everyone was like, to be a light design, like we want a light designer, but we need you to have experience. And I was like, yeah, but I don't know how to, how do I do that? I don't really and then like you could go and associate for people, which is like when you help a light, like associate lighting designer is um, basically helping the lighting designer with technical stuff, but they also liaise with you for creative input. But I was really scared about doing that. I found that terrifying because I was like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm good enough to even do that. Um, so I, yeah, it was, it was really scary to do it and also to quit my part-time job when that was my only source of income and then to go freelance when I've only got this one freelance gig and I was like I need to know that I can pay my bills like I don't have any other financial support so how do I you know so it's it's really scary it was really scary um but then from there it kind of I just start I just like went on all the arts jobs websites I just like searched and searched and then finally started to find some stuff find people who were really amazing at um basically like uh, recommended me to people and yeah and then yeah kind of met lots of amazing awesome other like um designers directors choreographers and yeah that yeah now I'm still doing it luckily (laughs) you're doing it very very well could you tell us what your favorite thing about your job is my favorite thing is just generally like when you're I like it when you're in in the very like first part of the creative process and you come together as a team and you basically just like brainstorm lots of ideas you have no budget restrictions and you kind of are just like going through the story and going oh god that's amazing because that reminds me of like this mad thing that I saw or this mad installation or this artwork that I saw so it's more just like 
yeah it's just really fun finding inspiration and then also you learn from other people where they how they get their source of inspiration or like you know they will introduce you to a new artist or they'll introduce you to a new movie you've never watched and you're like oh great this is so brilliant yeah and that's just a lot of fun and you could also just be like hey everyone let's go to the cinema and watch something together or like you know let's just sit down in a coffee shop or go to the V&A or like you know which is yeah which is great well thank you so much Jessica for spending time with us today and talking us through your job it's it's just so thrilling to hear kind of all the similarities and yet all the completely different things about everyone's jobs in within the theatre sector so I, I really do appreciate you giving us your time today of course thank you for having me it's been such a pleasure So I think what was extraordinarily interesting about that for me was Jessica posed the question about whether she has her own team or not, or whether as lighting designer, she is constantly having to find ways to work with other teams. So that means um, interpreting the vision of the piece, then collaborating with the technical crew, so that that again we keep coming back i think to these different forms of collaboration um but also how how open she is to gaining new insights with each conversation she has and that that helps her improve her vision and the potential and then it's her job to then solve problem solve how to transform that into something that's technically possible so I love that. I love that about how she works with people in terms of influencing, but then is always thinking about how she won't say something's not possible, that she's going to find the technique and create the, the technical skill for that to happen. Extraordinary. Yeah, and, and that notion of art and technology coming together and how obviously with with technology it's sort of it's right or wrong you know it's either the, the the connection is happening or it's not happening and so how to create um freedom out of something that is sort of electronically quite binary you know in mm-hmm. terms of and I love that notion of being able to be given a set of rules give it given a set of tasks and yet create something that um appears like there are none you know there are no rules and it's another one of these art forms that you're putting so much work into hoping that nobody notices it um you know i i think the same about choreography a lot of the time in that I'm, I'm i'm not necessarily trying to make you look at the choreography i'm trying to make you look at the dancers and how they're further in the story or how they're expressing something and i think that is really true in jessica's work and the approach to being able to frame edit, liberate, reveal, hide certain aspects of the story in um, sometimes literal darkness and literal light, you know, um, and, and how that, the weaving of that, the taste of that, the tonality of that is where the artistry hides and how it's, you know, where, where that sort of vibrates in and amongst this very, like, electrical um, place. And I love the duality of that, of these two different sort of both sort of solid and fluid coming together to create something that helps you understand something a little better. Yeah, absolutely. Beautifully said. Um, the two other things I think I want to pick up on, one is the, the ability to improvise. And I 
uh, again, it comes it comes to that knowing your craft well enough to play with it. So you don't have the exact color lighting gel. So you create something to get what you want rather than just being the person that says, no, it's not possible. You can't have it. So the improvisational skill is, is really important. And I also wanted to reflect on Jessica's route in and actually how important that teacher was who said, it's all right, you don't have to act. You can do something else. Um, and I think her, her journey to find a profession, a skill set that didn't rely on her having to manage being frightened all the time. Um, but actually also just having having that person at school with the understanding of the breadth of roles to help her find what she's excellent at. Um, I'm not sure all of us have had that in our lives. And again, I suppose what we hope with people listening to this is that it might make them more open to opportunities, but opportunities for others as well as themselves. I sound very... Um, very much like Pollyanna, be open to other people's opportunities. But I think it's important. It's very much, again, it's about that kind of generational passing on of information, isn't it? And and how we're all, we're all looking after this thing just for a period of time. And yet we can pass over the framework upon which we can climb. I mean, what direction that person climbs in that framework is very much down to the individual. And I think that's, uh, you know, the idea of this teacher passing on to Jessica and now Jessica being in the position where she's sharing this information with us on on a podcast and stuff is all part of passing on that energy to be interpreted by the next generation of theatre makers. Absolutely. And maybe that generation will decide it's not a framework. They'll dismantle the framework. And that's exciting too. Each week, I ask our guests the same question. And this is my favourite bit. I ask them, what does theatre mean to you? And why is it important? Theatre is a place of imagination. Um, it's a place of imagination, creation, um, freedom. And I think that's that's what's the most exciting about it, is that it's a place where it's just an, em it's an empty vessel that you can then transform into something else, whatever you want it to be. And you can take a whole audience with you on that journey. You've been listening to a Scratch Post production made in collaboration with the Pony Company and Goldsmiths University of London. Music by Andre Rossi made available by Upbeat.io. We'd love to hear from you and find out what you want to know about the theatre industry. You can interact with us at Blueprint Podcasts on Instagram and subscribe for our next episodes.